Welcome to the Great Bass Tennis Podcast. This is your co-host, Andy Fitzell, alongside Steve Smith. And we're continuing our conversation from last week. This is episode 33. Peter Burwash and Peter Burwash International, one of our pillars of the Great Bass Curriculum. And yeah, let's get going. Roll on. Let's do. Uh, from last week, part one, I heard from several people. Here are a couple comments. Yeah. These are from people who participated in PBI training. Right. It gave us a global view. It was about totally about being professional. Made Ed, This is a great comment. Made everyone realize that there was a place for them in the tennis industry. Mm. Stated how the training still helps them to this day. And, and many of them are, are not currently in tennis. Mm. Um, one person said that they loved how every session ended with feedback and thinks that tennis practices should end up the same way. Yeah. Um, I remember the Vic Brain Tennis College's coaches, we, at the end of a three-day camp, we handed out a questionnaire that people would fill out and let us know how we did as coaches. It was great to get feedback. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you know, where, where do I, ideas come from? Um, just today I was talking to a coach who talking to me about how he really likes the, the warm-up that the team, the Ohio State Ty Tucker's team does. Mm-hmm. Um, the warm-up before the match. The warm-up yeah. before the match. And Ty Tucker, the young Ty Tucker, when he started at Ohio State, Craig Tiley was at the University of Illinois. In Illinois, um, would do a very, very much a dynamic warm-up and I know that those those ideas came from, for Craig Tyler, those ideas came from Peter Burwash. Tyler was with us for seven years. Mm-hmm. So that means, you know, seven different times he went through the Burwash training. Right. Um, not that the drills that Ty does are, say, PBI drills, but you know, it really creates a wow factor. The opposing team looks over and goes, wow. Yeah. I mean, and These guys the, have come to play. The drills are action-packed, and they really – are a spinoff from many things that take take place in the PBI, um, the PBI traveling show. Mm-hmm. But more on teaching, a circle volley drill in the 70, 80, in the seventies and eighties, the tennis boom put so many people on tennis courts. Um, you know, Peter himself played like an acrobat. What you do is you create a circle. It could be four to six players. You could do it on a field. Nice thing about doing it on a field is it's very good to have kids, you know, with their warm ups. Next thing you know, the, their warm ups are dirty. They get like dirty. Get some grass stains. Yeah. Um, you can do it on a tennis court. There's many variables. Um, the person is in the middle. So say the person is circling, uh, there's five players circled around the player and they volley to the player in the middle of the circle and the circle has the person in the middle volleys around the circle going to each of the five players. Yeah. And then you add variables, you know, the, the players to the outside after they hit, hit, hit a touch volley back into the middle person standing in the middle, you know, they have to do a knee touch volley for inside back inside. So by the time balls hit a fifth time, it's back to them. Mm-hmm. You can do it where the person in the middle has to actually fall on their fanny and keep falling as they, they volley, they fall down, they get back up. Um, yeah, we've got one video just not to 
Well, I guess to cut you off, but we we do have one video we posted on Instagram. It was actually George Goldoff, I believe, who was going down on his fanny every time to do it. So you could scroll back and check that out. We may have another video when you were in South Africa working with some coaches and players. Yeah, right, with uh, right by the Lions. Petrus, how do you pronounce Kukimur? Did you say Petrus' last name? Petrus Kukimur. Kukimur. Uh, yeah, I remember doing a camp with him in South Africa in the, doing that. Jeff Kutsia, um he coaches a doubles team from Columbia now, and he actually himself did quite well. Mm. Amazing story. Talk about Jeff in length sometime. But mm-hmm. I just think of Jeff being like the best at that drill. Um, Quick. I can remember doing a boot camp at the University of Illinois. It's like, okay, what am I going to start with? And it was for the women's team. Jennifer Roberts had spent um, two years with us. And then she spent a year at the great tennis college, but then she was the coach of the women's team. Yeah. She was there before Craig Tyler was. Mm -hmm. So that's the first drill. I okay, girls, let's go over here on the field. (laughs) And people get so much better at it. If they just, they just give it a, give it a, give it a go. Yeah. Um, we used to do those tennis courts like they do with tennis players. Um, you can do it on a tennis court. They have to catch themselves a little bit, but they do it on a field. Years ago in physical education classes, the P class is like a football team. Everybody's running in place and the, the instructor just goes, hit it. Everybody just throws their body chest first onto the ground. That ain't happening too much these days. Um so circling back, Peter's a go-getter. He called me. I didn't call him. He made it happen. He was the first headliner who came to our program called Tennis Tech. Mm-hmm. We were so fortunate. Um, Peter, when I think of him calling me, he once called my older brother. And my older brother called me up and asked. My older brother was the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs at the time. Actually, he was the associate general manager. And Peter had contacted him. My brother called me up, and I said, yeah, you should. You should have Peter speak because Peter called requested the opportunity to speak with his childhood team. Peter's from Ontario, right? Grew up right outside of Toronto. My brother gave it some thought, but unfortunately he didn't give Peter the opportunity requested. I think it was a mistake. I think any time anyone can listen to Peter talk about motivation, sign up. Um, Peter's introduction to nutrition, um, he he's probably is known as much for his contributions to tennis or as to, to wellness, health and nutrition as he is to tennis. Um, yeah. We put up a video of his on nutrition yeah. on uh, our Facebook page. You can search it out. Yeah. We followed up um, for years and years. Peter's company was in why he's on the beach playing Frisbee Frisbee by chance. It's a gentleman sitting on the beach, Peter being a polite Canadian goes up to apologize. He does more than just apologize. He talks to the, to the man. Next thing you know, he goes to his uh, seminar on nutrition and really the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, in our library, comments applying to old people like myself, the heart is 100% a muscle. These are just a few things. Ride a bike, walk in your pool, <laughs> walk 120 beats per minute. If you are lazy, this is a great Peter Burwash comment. If you're lazy, get a dog because you got to take your dog for a walk. It takes 10 minutes to start to burn fat. Muscle deteriorates in 24 hours. You really as, and this is not for old people, this is for the athletes too, is 
monitor your your heart rate to see how see how hard you're working. What's your recovery rate? Now, so you have done a bit of walking in the pool. Yes, I have done that. <laughs> I've ridden the bike. Multitasking. So is that where you got that idea? Was from Peter? Uh no. When it comes down to it, <laughs> we start charting how many times I say that. When it comes down to it, uh, no, just go with you, it. You need to shadow swing. Get an old wooden racket. Get the old racket cover. Get in the pool and shadow swing. Yeah. So so many things that you can do in a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, Two twenty. Minus your age, try to reach 70%, do that four or five times a week. Um, Wait, what is this? 220 minus your age? Yeah, so, so you get your, your pulse rate. That's oh, a, gotcha. you know, then try to maintain that. But, oh, there's so much on, on nutrition. Actually, I took a, a course at the graduate level of nutrition, and it was way over my head. Um, got an A, but I... You know, knew absolutely left left there thinking I know absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. and it was all these medical people, and you really had to have a high level of understanding of biology and chemistry. Mm-hmm. The uh, professor's really really talented. Comes in with this huge box of books, and he throws everybody three books, and he had to write a book report on each one. And I remember one, and it was, I thought it was very clever. It was called the one room diet. If you were just to eat in one place. Mm-hmm. Can't eat in your car, can't eat on the couch. You just have to, you know, can't eat on the go. You got to just eat in one place. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Peter Burwash, high energy, um, but nutrition's huge. Yeah. 75%, most people say it's, it's 75% of fitness. Here's a Peter Burwash tactic I use almost every day. When I'm speaking to a group of juniors, coaches, I stop and ask listeners what I just said. Peter would constantly stop during lecture and say, only a handful of you are listening. Now it's only three. <laughs> now it's two. You know, he really demands eye contact and he gets it. I think just saying, you know, because I see you do that with, with players where you got a group of players and you're speaking and just every once in a while, even if they are all listening, but you'll just go, some of you aren't listening. And it just kind of wakes everybody up just to make sure, oh, wait, wait, I am listening. Yeah, someone as dynamic as Peter Broach, I think the comedian actor eddie murphy you know, he has a tactic where he just starts talking very loud to someone and um you know the pressure you know it's this one where people start to shake and freak out it's like <laughs> yeah you really mean if i'm just going to raise my voice and you panic and i i think so many kids with the goal of playing college tennis how are you going to do when it's three all you're the last match out your team wins and then you your team continues on in the national tournament mm. So yeah, the sooner the late, the sooner the better. You can try to have people mm-hmm. uh, get away from stage fright. Mm-hmm. Just more on PBI. They have their own magazine. They've served as a, a consultant for many federations. They actually founded the ITF wheelchair championships. They turned it back to Brad Parks. Peter just thought he would be a better representative. Brad, uh, one of the best wheelchair players of all time. I can remember working for Vic Braden when Brad who got hurt in a water skiing accident, took up tennis and Vic was a coach helping him out. What was the connection there with Peter and wheelchair ch- tennis to start those championships? Well, you know, as we mentioned last week, Peter, um, maybe it's uh, also in my notes here to finish out with teaching the deaf, teaching the blind, um, semi-blind, uh, teaching in prisons. Yeah. Um, 
trying of, to take the game to everybody, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get a half dozen people to come to a wheelchair clinic, that that's, you know, I've had, a, that's an amazing turnout, but I've had a lot of fun uh, working with wheelchair players. I would say that's, those are the real heroes in uh, wheelchair tennis. We just talked about that in a, uh, the new episode we have called Steve's Stories. Steve's Stories, yeah, check that out. Yeah, Maru Yamohiro Michi-san, uh, Shingo Kuneda. Yeah. They won 45 majors. Um, no big deal. With, um, this is a great Peter Burwash, the upside-down triangle. If someone's in charge, uh, you should see that person who's in charge, say it's a tennis director. You know, you see him with a mop, you see him with a, a broom, they can get their hands dirty. Yeah. They don't delegate Picking up everything garbage. down. Yeah, the garbage is uh, get get in line, do what everybody else does, and and then earn people's respect instead of always say, okay, that's not for me. That's somebody else's job to do. Yeah, but that's what the, the philosophy of Peter Burwash International is: put yourself at the bottom of the triangle, flip it, flip it around. Um, you know, so again, the top guy, top gal, they can they can pick up a broom, get your hands dirty. Yeah, that's the best way to win over your staff. Uh, is the top the CEO, the, the tennis directors, um, do what people don't like to do. Um, mm-hmm. In other words, do the work somebody else does want to do. PBI, I've taught over 3 million people. That may be outdated. That number may be larger right now. Impacted people around the world. Philosophy, this is a great one. Go where you are needed, opposed to where you will be benefit the most just go where you're needed um go where you can benefit others not just benefit yourself mm-hmm. be service motivated have positive intensity take care of your employees and your employees will take care of your customers yeah that's they, true i mean in any kind of business leadership book that's one of the biggest things is just you know employees it's not their business so if you can take care of them and make them feel like they have know, some ownership or pride in the company, then they're going to go the extra mile. Peter, PBI, uh, Peter, it, and certainly Peter and his associates, his staff members, exceed expectations, mm. add extra value. Um, everything is based on a high standard and high moral conduct. Um, without uh, swearing, it's the bloody principles um, I think Peter, as a hockey player, he probably heard a little profanity. The days where it's the the effing principles, but maybe you could say that, like in an English accent or something. And my, you know what I mean. That could have the same effect. Can you try it? Well, people who do have a uh, say with the English language, they have you can a do little, little, I'm sure you can do with Irish a, too. A little bit of uh, um, it's a bloody principle, isn't it? Like something <laughs> like that. You could do that. <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, I just experienced this so many times, especially in other countries. And now we're a little too politically correct in America. I know no certainly swearing and not condoning it, but um, with it's, it's a little bit over the top. But, you know, we could, that could be something we could talk about. Coaches will swear because they get very upset and swearing makes their heart rate go down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but have, yeah, it's, it's all about principles. Yep. Here's one. Don't be late. Can't be great if you're late. That's a big one. You know, I remember before Vic Braden passed away, we were working on a project 
with young kids that had come from difficult circumstances and were achieving academically and in life in general. And we had them interviewing famous people like General Colin Powell. Um, and one of the one of the people that I was able to meet was fun too was Chevy Chase. But one of the things they had in common, all these people was don't be late, you know, to be punctual with time, to respect other people's time. With PBI, if you're late, tennis teacher, tennis teacher professional is late for a lesson, you find yourself, mm-hmm. you pay, you teach the lesson for free, mm-hmm. and then you pay the company a $50 fine. Mm-hmm. Um, emphatic. I mean, I heard that every time we would have a seminar with him. Peter, a mentor of his with Peter Uberoff, um, mastermind in the 1984 Olympics, former commissioner of Major League Baseball. Uh, Peter says, which I agree with, that tennis really needs to be a commission. Tennis needs a commissioner. Hmm. Um, the alphabet soup, I mean, certainly each organization can have its own head, but it comes down to... When it comes down to... <laughs> there needs to be some rules and regulations. There needs to be some direction. But tennis needs to go forward. Yeah. Growth, growth and welfare. Hmm. Um, dress code. People may laugh at this now. Coat and tie. Always travel with a coat and tie. One time I was invited to dinner with Arthur Ashe, or by mm-hmm. Arthur Ashe. I was with the Davis Cup team. And I was staying in the, in the same hotel. But my, I was also based like 45 minutes north of Hamburg, Germany at that time, just, just for the summer. And I, see. I remember uh, the late Ken Flack and Robbie Seguzo. I remember I was teaching them how to tie a tie. But... What kind of, what kind of knot? Uh, I could not elaborate, but okay. I could tie a tie. I went yeah. to a, a prep school. You had to wear a tie everywhere you went. Yeah. With, um, I think people laugh at that. A restaurant in Southern California, not too far from the Vic Braden Tennis College years ago, if you walked in with a necktie, they would cut your necktie off. <laughs> you, you could leave with your necktie as is, but if you wanted to come in and sit down, but you came with a necktie... They actually cut it off, and then they had the, up in the rafters all these <laughs> neckties hanging. I, I can remember um, going out to California in the '80s and would show up with you know, khaki pants and a blue shirt and have the blaze the, the, the blue uh, blazer over your arm, you know, the sport coat. Yeah, and uh, not anymore. Like, dude, what's up with you? Actually, in our course tennis intelligence applied. This is because they have bad feet. Is but I was. I was wearing sandals and I can, I'm still reprimanded. Uh, that course is 10 years old by now. I anyway, still 15. With, I still stick up for you. I deal with people all the time with, uh, I'm not going to listen to that guy. He's wearing sandals. Yeah. Well, the, uh, that was the cool thing though. Back in the day, sandals with long socks. Yeah, I've never been too cool. Standards have been sure. lowered. Standards have been lowered regard to dress. One doesn't need to dress fancy. One doesn't need to dress expensive, but one needs to be, this is all from, um, PBI training, dress mm. appropriately. Got to tell this story about Bob Carmichael. Bud Collins' book, books, there's one and two, Reader's uh, Tennis Digest. And you know, after a long time, I, I just thought Bud had written, written every article, so I didn't really pay attention to the byline. Mm. But I tell this story all the time to late starters in tennis, the late Bob Carmichael. Love to tell the story. Um, Carmichael, they called him Nails from Australia. 
And I thought it was because he was tough as nails, but it was because he had gone through an apprenticeship to be a carpenter. Now, he had had the toughness from knowing how to play Australian football. I just tried to be a boxer first. So he became a tennis player. But, um, you know, they say that he was a you know, club player, C player, 21 years old, really had not played much tennis. And 10 years later, he's in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. So I've even had that article printed out and handed out and said, okay, here's, you know, because a lot of kids are, you know, coming to you, it's late start, bad start. Yeah. You know, they're 17, 18, 19 years old, and they think they're ready for the old folks home. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, you're, you're 19, you double your life, you're, you're still young. Yeah. So I just had never paid attention to the byline, but I knew the story of Peter uh, traveling, shoestring budget, no money trying to go from one country to the next. And so he, this is, I mean, this is years later, the visual on this is I look at the article and it says by Peter Burwash. And mm-hmm. when I first started reading the article, um, I mean, I would have barely known who Peter Burwash was, but by the time I, um, I mean, had read the article, Bob Carmichael was long retired and Peter Burwash was famous and he was training our, our students and it goes, by Peter Burwash. Yeah. That's just a story. Um, we, cool. Let's go a few more things here with Peter Burwash. A lot of years have gone by with um, Julian Krinsky, that Peter's in Carmel, California. Mm. Mentioned the first podcast. He's uh, 10 years older than I am. He used to travel 300 days a year. doesn't travel um, to that extent anymore. I know he's really well read. Um, I mean, as far as tennis magazines, tennis newspapers, mm. because in a lot of the, all the years have gone by, Peter's called me up a few times because he's read something that I've written. Um, we, I think he would love, uh, I'm going to guess that he's, he might be like me where he's a dinosaur and he's not really connected on social media, but I think he would really love what you're doing with uh, Instagram trying to just improve tennis teaching. Mm-hmm. Here are a few PBI pearls. Um, you read through his book, he's refreshingly honest. On the tour, I was a nobody. You, know, we, um, <laughs> you don't get a whole lot of that these days. It's, yeah, it's I, actually like they say, I was on the tour. It's like, I remember talking to uh, Jill Drucker about this, who I became good friends with uh, through the Indian Wells tournament. You know, over every year we would kind of have our uh, reunion there, but you know, Oh yeah, I played on the tour. It's like, no, you didn't, you know, <laughs> you, you played qualities and futures or whatever it is. People exaggerate their playing background. So we always used to joke around about how so many people would say, yeah, yeah, I played the tour. So Macho male ego, the, yeah. uh, the older I get, the better I was. Yeah. We needed down the road. Once we go through our, the educational merit behind the great base or pearls, we need to, uh, get your friend Joel Trucker online. I remember. Yeah, we'll get him on. I've never met him in person, um, but I certainly remember talking to him on a conference call with you and the story with him writing. Wanting to, he's going to write a, I guess, an autobiography. Um, he's going to work with Connors on a book about Connors, mm. but it never really happened. So then he wrote a book called Jimmy Connors Saved My Life. Yeah. So I Great. told him, I said, yeah, I want to get together with you. We can have a little bit of debate because I think I know more about Jimmy Connors than you do. In fact, I think I know more about Jimmy Connors than Jimmy Connors. He was up for that 
challenge too. He was up. He was yeah. up. Oh, and I say that I just just mean as far as it's amazing how the pros um, they really don't know. It's from a technical standpoint, it's amazing how the pros. And there's a lesson in this. They don't know that much about their own game. Mm-hmm. They're free and they just hit it. Yeah. They just hit it. Big brave. When you start thinking about technique in a match, you're going to finish second in the field of two. Yeah. Uh, Peter, I knew after one point when I was playing Arthur Ashe at the U.S. Open that it was in over my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, story in his book of pearls, 13 match points, and he didn't force. He just, you know. I was hoping that. Hit and hope, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, is a great burrow wash pearl. I take it. You can only practice two things. He is a man of words. He puts things very well. You only practice two things, good habits and bad habits. That's great. It's worth I mean, repeating. It, it's, it's amazing how um, kids, it's like, no, you're practicing bad habits. You're just, you're just getting better at getting worse. Yeah. We use that, you know, term myelin from, you know, Daniel Coyle's book. He really kind of brought that to the forefront about, you know, what myelin is, but you said, you know, good myelin and bad myelin. Somebody's got a, good, a lot of good myelin or they're developing a lot of bad myelin. Yeah, actually, the Swedish professor at Florida, Florida State, uh, Dr. Uh, Erickson, he just yeah. recently passed away. Yeah. Um, great story about Dr. Erickson. So with with myelin, it, the brain produces myelin through repetition and with motor programming, speed and smoothness. And the person lecturing was talking about myelin and this. Gentleman raises his hand, asks the question. It's a long lecture. He, he raises his hand, makes a second point. And then the speaker is a little frustrated with him. And, and, and the speaker said, well, Dr. Erickson's research on myelin. And, and he said, well, excuse me, ma'am, uh, I am Dr. Erickson. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> with uh, Back to Burwash. Uh, here's a great one. There is pressure, but one needs to counter pressure with pressure. Um, you know, you, you don't want to um, run away from it. There's a book, a squash coach, um, he's done so well at Trinity University up in Connecticut, Run to the Roar. You know, the old lion, uh, the old lion who's got the strong vocal cords, you know, they scream at the antelope and, or they roar at the antelope and the antelope turn and run into the other lions, hunting as a team. Yeah. Uh, develop a gutsy attitude. Not just an attitude, but a gutsy attitude. Have some guts. Mm-hmm. No guts, no glory. I had this acting teacher in L.A. who used to say, uh, leap and the net will appear. I always like that. That's good. You know, just go for it. Leap and the net will appear. Yeah. Burrowash Pearl, never let your opponent know you are tired or frustrated. I need to say that every day. <laughs> never let your opponent tire, be, you're tired or frustrated. You know, the great minds, people around the game. Um, Lynette Fetter, obviously, she, she uh, had a little bit to do with her son becoming a great player. Mm. There's a YouTube clip uh, where she's interviewed, and, you know, you know, there's a chink in your armor. You're showing weakness every right, time you right. crack like that. People yeah. crack like glass. Um, this is wide-ranged. Uh, grips vary from player to player. That's where there's palmistry, and people can read the lines in your hand, tell you mm. your fortune. Um, here's a burwashism, fast feet, slow arm. You think about that, it looks just the opposite. People usually have slow feet yeah. and a fast arm. Yeah. Um, Peter burwashism, I've said this so many times. The contact point is the moment of truth. Strings don't lie. Yep. Here's Not another great pearl. Mini tennis teaches the idea of tennis. 
you know, have kids play mini tennis and with rallying, making balls, moving, having fun. There's another comment from Peter. Uh, these are just notes from our library. Mini tennis will, will survive all the bad mumbo jumbo of tennis. <laughs> you know, can you just get two kids to just, you know, I like how Oscar Wagner says that with the volley, you know, um, adjust your feet, adjust your feet, touch the ball. Yeah. That's the volley. And on your ground stroke, adjust your feet, adjust your feet, brush the ball. Yeah. And then if you start like it's a volley, then you go underneath. It's, uh, it gets people instant tennis playing pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, make your opponent play an overhead. Dig it out. Make them hit the overhead. Don't, don't quit on a ball. We were watching a little bit of uh, a match tonight, WTA match, and the girl from uh, Greece, right? Sakari, I believe it is. Uh, she had a couple overheads to finish things out, but uh, Jessica Pegula, Pegula, she made her hit some overheads. She was digging it out. I'm cheering for her. She's from upstate New York. Close one, but she didn't. She had a match point. Uh, pretty strokes don't win a match. It's not like there's a judge, like there is in figure skating or gymnastics. Um, another Burwash. Pearl, be your own coach. Here's one. Yeah. Tennis players quit because they don't know how to get better. You know, it's kind of like burnout. People don't burn out. You know, it's frustration factor. If you're getting better, you know, I mean, you have to let's say, let's say it this way, you have to catch on fire to burn out. Right. Um, yes, this last week, uh, I don't think I answered it all that well. Questions on triple vision. Um, you know, it is the three things, court, ball, and, and, and opponent. Um, there's more than just watching the ball. The examples, driving a car, juggling, um, there's ways to try to prove try to prove triple vision versus tunnel vision. It's not a matter of just watching the ball. Yeah, you got to know where you are in the court. You got to know where your opponent is. Um, yeah, and they have endless ideas. PBI has endless ideas. It comes back to that circle volley drill where the person in the middle is falling down, and um, and it's amazing how kids can get to the point where they're so athletic. And you know, so many kids have not played other sports. They haven't done any gymnastics. Um, one of our coaches who does a great job, he told me that he goes, there's no way that kid can do one somersault. <laughs> you know, they think they're on the, you know, they're walking the ledge of a skyscraper and you're saying, no, you just need to go down on this mat, put your head first, go slowly <laughs> and just do a somersault. It's not to make fun of anyone, but. Um, no, that's where like when we play soccer and kids score, I'm like, all right, now do. Do a cartwheel, you know. Well, my mother so passed you, away. When you score, you got to do a cartwheel, or if you can, a backflip. My mother passed away struggle. almost ten years ago, and <clears throat> um, and this was ten years ago. So you know, she said, "Yeah, kids, kids don't play outside anymore. Yeah. They used to just go play outside." And Braden used to say this about just about every household. You know, people would have one of those little red wagons because they didn't have a second car pulled the wagon to the grocery store and they wheeled the Radio grocery store. Yeah. But Vic used to say, you know, the way we're teaching little kids is just all wrong. He goes, have you ever hung out in it where there's any five and six year olds where they take that red wagon and they turn the corner for, from one street to the next? Everybody, you know, the kid falls out, they get right back up. Yeah. It's like when a, a kid falls, they don't really get hurt, but the people around them, the adults especially <gasps> go, oh, oh. 
And okay. they go, oh yeah. And they go, like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm hurt. Uh, yeah. You know, when the pandemic came out, the pandemic rolled rolled into our world a year ago in March. It was rather sad. All these uh, videos online, how to practice at home. Yeah. Well, you take the ball, you bounce the ball up, you bounce the ball down. And nice guy, Braden, used to say, well, you would just shut up and give him a lesson, show him how to hit it. Yeah. But um, that's just, again, I've said the word creative many times with PBI. The number, the number of different ideas they had for people to do with, with racket drills. Mm-hmm. Um, here's something, uh, test your students on ways to use your opposite hand. So with 85% of players right-handed, all the ways to use your left hand. Um, you know, we'd say power X actually, Peter, with the extension up with your, say your right arm extended up, your left arm really is right underneath it. So that it's like, it looks like both arms are in a line. Um, just hanging out of the racket with your left hand during, um, in between point time, just create the blood, increase the blood flow. Uh, just have your students stop and think how many, what do they have to do with their left hand? You know, um, we do so many things, um, we talk about influences. Peter Burwash, we do a, a mini tennis drill called, we call it number five. Mm-hmm. So when Peter would teach the serve, uh, to go back through that again, if we've already covered it, he would have the people turn backwards. You know, their back is to the net, and they have to, instead of their right hand, instead of hitting the ball to the right, they toss the ball to the left, and they hit it over their shoulder. Yeah, so the continental grip. Continental grip, they're really loose. And you, you certainly don't want to go back and how, you know, players could totally embarrass themselves. They're running to a law. They don't have time to circle around. They got to run right to it. And they take the racket and just go straight over the head. And they, they're like, oh, shot. Yeah. That, that person can't play. <laughs> but with, uh, with Peter, when we're playing mini tennis, any type of mini tennis, the kids run to their forehand. As soon as you get to your forehand, put your left hand on the racket. You can re- relax your hand. Mm-hmm. You got to adjust your grip. Have the racket up high, ensure shoulder rotation. And you just got to yell it out over and over again, left hand on the racket, left hand on the racket. Mm-hmm. With, but coming back to um, ideas, so very clever how Peter would teach to serve to beginners, serve backwards. And that is an emergency shot. Yeah. With, um, like Collins called it, we mentioned the Bucharest backfire. Uh, coming back to, you know, that's where Peter came up with the theme that, Tennis is a game of emergency because we was playing Arthur Ashe and he hit his serve and it came back, you know, two times faster than you hit it. Yeah. Um, but when you're playing mini tennis five, the double hits, it's one of the best drills. Yeah. Is you know, when you put the serve in backwards, you can hit it in any service box. Um, but it's just great for movement and, you know, kids stop it. Then the ball falls. And then, you know, you can do things where on the forehand side, bring the racket up to, to you know, bring the racket to the other side of your back so it's um really an, an increased upward angle like the same thing you have to do when you need a topspin lob yeah on the uh in, te- in tennis intelligence applied course you've got the mini tennis one two three four and five are on there so if you want to check that out on our website greatbasetennis.com little plug here or youtube channel mini tennis with a, mini tennis with a soccer ball have the american kids play that they're going to go off to college and half the lineup is going to be foreign players by the way, the Americans, they lost to Honduras, uh, not to make the, what is it, the, the world group? Híjoles. So I think we're a little bit bigger. We have a few more people than we do they do in Honduras. But I guess they got 11 <laughs> good uh, international footballers. Mm. But mini tennis, you should be able to play mini tennis with uh, a tennis ball. 
Uh, maybe it's just three touches. You can get on YouTube and just put that, plug that in. You know, you can, you could watch Nadal and Djokovic play mini tennis soccer with a tennis ball. And it's, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, I think of, uh, um, the great Brazilian Quirton. Yeah. Being interviewed. He said, be okay if I were to do this. And he just, he just bounces the tennis ball up on, on his feet and his knee and his, his forehead just keeps it going while he's being interviewed. Yeah. There, there's actually, um, there was a, a contest with the women on the tour who, who could keep the, the tennis ball going up How the ladders. Yeah. I, I don't know who won. There's but a lot I of remember watching really Halp. She's quite good. good at it. Yeah. But um, I don't want to discourage anybody we're working with, but, you know, we have every type of medicine ball. I mean, from two pounds up. Yeah. <laughs> maybe four pounds. <laughs> but, um, you know, you could play mini tennis with a medicine ball, but a lot of times the kids can't throw the ball. It's not good for the net because they don't. They, hit, they throw the ball into the net. Yeah, sometimes we just use a basketball. Yeah. Or, or a soccer ball. Got to recruit some stronger players. <laughs> Although we've never been into recruiting. We, we're on the developmental side. Yeah. Um, one thing with uh, the Braden comment from part one of this series, uh, just a two-part chat on PBI, Peter Rush, with if, if someone were to go to Peter's book tennis for life and you would see the the trophy look where he's pointing and scratching the back and but again the book was written 50 years ago so it's not to say well this is how peter roche would teach tennis today so some people would be very critical if if they did know the science um i said last week that i've never met anyone who really knows how the serve form is formulated unless they have a braden background Mm. um it is again Mm. you know let's say someone has a a degree in biomechanics that doesn't mean they have a degree in tennis. Yeah. Um, I don't want to underplay that, but so Peter would do a drill with a left hand where he feeds the ball up, ball's got to bounce and you have to just catch it with your left hand. So it puts you in position, mm-hmm. you know, just like you tell a kid, okay, um, can you throw a piece of popcorn up and catch it in your mouth? Mm-hmm. You know, the popcorn, it can't be way behind you because it, your mouth is in front of you. Um, but with that, um, there's information and there's applied information. But I think that's where, you know, Peter, people have need to appreciate, um, you know, that he's an artist with uh, creativity and with communication. Right. With um, Hall of Fames, Peter's in a boatload of Hall of Fames, University of Toronto, USPTA, the Hawaiian Tennis Association, NorCal, He's one of 10 people that are in the Tennis Industry Hall of Fame. I think he should be in the uh, International Hall of Fame. Um, he has so many so many awards with the USTA, USPTA, ITF. Uh, the Mount Rushmore of tennis. If tennis teachers were replacing George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, um, who would they be? I think there should be a survey. Our eight pillars... Yeah, you go right through the eight pillars. So if you think, okay, um, not as many people know Coach Verick as they should. Not as many people right. know um, Bill Jacobs as they should. I mean, obviously Jim Lair, I think of uh, Van Horn. Um, some oldie goldies would know, really respect what, what Welby's done. Yeah. Um, Dennis is in the Hall of Fame. Vic is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, Peter Brewer should be in the Hall of Fame. But I think also, too, there's only four with uh, the Mount Rushmore, Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln. But uh, Peter Brewer would get a lot of votes. Um, no, that would be a fun post, actually, just put up, see what people say. For, you know, what he's, what, he, what he's done for the tennis industry. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing about the great base is that we'd like to think that we're carrying a torch for, for tennis teachers from the past. And um, so much of what we do and, and a lot of the people that um, and we, we, we certainly have our critics. Um, I know you deal with them every day on, on social media, <laughs> but we're getting a lot of positive feedback for our efforts in trying to help tennis teaching. But again, giving credit where credit's due. Um, yeah. You know, with, with PBI, you know, just think they would come in and those type of weekends, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, 25 hours, um, very close to 25 hours, long, long, you know, short, you know, day on Friday evening, but all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And, but then we would practice, you know, if, if, you know, if, uh, kids would, uh, I shouldn't say kids, students, of course, in that program, we had, you know, retirees, we had people that, that made career changes, people that um, had have completed a 20-plus a year in the, in the in one branch of the military, U.S. services. And um, people would say, be challenged, okay, you you have to design lab. Yeah. It's, you know, you have to design a, you know, say, an hour and a half practice. Yeah. I think and, that's- and do it with a PBI theme. That, that's really training. You know, they yeah. had 450 tra- hours of training. Our two-year program, we had a lot more than 450. I think that's what if you're a, if you're listening out there and you're a, a club director or whatnot, a head pro, you know, and you have a staff. I think that's one of the best things you can do is just have a staff meeting every week where you're, you're in an hour, maybe you're on the court and you can go through some practical application, whether it's drills or you know, using video, but anything like that that you can just. Okay, here's this idea. I heard this or saw this drill. Let's do this drill. Each one will run it, you know, because then you get a get some practice, like you said. Uh, we used to do that with the tennis college, and it was great. No, I think that's one thing about the internet today. Not to beat up on young people, but um, Just beat them up. to spend time under, you know, some senior citizens who have you know put some miles. Uh, some miles down the road where they've really been in the trenches. Um, yeah. They still can serve a purpose. PTM. <laughs> that <laughs> was just my joke. That's an ongoing joke. We dumb and dumber senior citizens can still serve a purpose with PTM. <laughs> when it comes down to PTM, there's 10, <laughs> there's 10 now. Yeah. The USTA United States Tennis Association university program. I understand there's 10, <clears throat> PTM programs and what's the, I don't know, but what are the, what's, what are the curriculums? Um, the one I started is uh, just a, a year ago. That's no longer in place, no longer operating, no longer mm. available. Too bad. But there's Methodist, there's hope, there's fair state, mm-hmm. but you know, what is the curriculum? And I think it'd be really sad if, you know, the, the young people, they didn't really have a handle on, what did Jim Lair bring to the game? What did, uh, you know, what's the Welby Van Horn balance approach? And, mm. and again, all the different things from PBI. Okay. I just yeah. like to end, uh, three Peter Burwash isms. Give it to us. This is for lessons and for life. The art is where you start. 
You know, when you watch someone play, granted, you want to know okay, where they are with their competitive schedule, when they're playing again. Mm. You don't approach every lesson the same, but the art is where you start. We do tell people you should be able to pick out the primary flaw. And it's like knocking over dominoes, say if it's a technical lesson. Yeah. Uh, coming back to that, um, Burwash, it's a chapter in his book. Um, to, you know, how, how can you get a tennis player not to be stuck, unstuck, how mm-hmm. to get unstuck? Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, the art's where you start. Here's another one. Um, be 2% selfish and work on your own skill set while you're teaching. So you're working on your demos, you're working on your playing skills. Uh, you can be working on your fitness. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are 98% working <laughs> yeah, on their own game. Exactly. I saw that quite a bit. Uh, this is one uh, I've heard Peter uh, say this before when he just ends a presentation. Be grateful. Remember, you come in the world with nothing. and You leave the world with nothing. So everything in between, you appreciate but I do hope that uh, we've uh, given justice to Peter Burwash and PBI with these. Uh, yeah. You leave, these the world, you leave the world with your intelligence, what you learned while you know, on this yeah, journey. And then it was so many things um, with, um, yeah, I mean, do you, in tennis, I would say, do you leave, it, leave tennis a better place? I always tease and go, if there is a tennis heaven. Yeah. There is a tennis heaven. I know some people who are not going. (laughs) I know some people are not going. Yeah, there are a few. Um, few. Because, again, do what's right for the game, do what's right for people. Yeah. The the phrase guardian of the game, I think Peter's definitely a guardian of the game. He's doing what's right for the game. And and also just the whole idea of, hey, there's a place for you in tennis, whatever you want to do. Not only as a player, but if you want to be involved in tennis and other aspects of it, you can. Now, you would know this better than, than, than I would, but I don't think... Um, Peter has much of a presentation on the internet, uh, but yet, you know, he has 19 books. Yeah. So, um, get on the internet and find some of those books. Yeah. But I, for me, uh, thank you, Peter Brewash, Peter Brewash International. And, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. We'll try to put out more videos we we did put out the one the volley drill the other day but we'll put out some more videos on on things yeah on uh peter and tennis intelligence applied um we talked about you know we certainly need to reproduce those and there's many many drills uh, just called situational drills yeah um you can play one bounce doubles you can play one bounce singles uh, peter burwash you can play we talked about that you play doubles in the in one service box um you can play a set in the alley yeah. um, with the more ideas, the better. It is interesting at a tennis teacher conference where um, it's, it's almost like people never talk about strokes. It's like, well, we know the basics of forehands and backhands and, yeah. and, but people really do love drills. Yeah. And, give me and, some and, new drills. Yeah. Well, I think the cool part about it too, with um, you take a drill and you go, oh, that's a good idea. And then you, you can actually kind of tweak it. In different ways, and you can make two, three, four, five drills from one drill idea, you know, and I think that's what's fun where people get creative and then you can go off and make, you know, your own drills. And you've heard this on these podcasts, the tennis parents should know this, the computer games, they instantly start giving you the thrill. But what you need to do first is have the will 
to learn the skill and then drill. And then, and comes, then you can have some thrills. Yeah. And then comes the thrill. But tennis, uh, you know, granted, uh, what drill. I mentioned with Doug Cash, you know, Peter, the yeah. pizzazz, that amazing charisma is that you can, uh, you know, Peter would say also too, it, it comes down to the personality of the pro. Get kids excited. You know, two kids are out there. They can't rally, but no, you can make them get them so they can rally. It's like yeah. Dennis Vandermeer. Um, you know, he would take someone who's close to a hundred years of age, 90 years old and say, I will get that person to hit a hundred balls. Yeah. Sit, have them sit in the chair, come really close to the net and just hold a racket up yeah. like this. And he's moving his feet and just tapping the ball. Yeah. And it you know, gets a lot of he, Peter obviously is and Dennis was great showman. And next thing you know, everybody's counting and, and, and create that enthusiasm. There's a story in one of his books where he, I just have a memory for these kind of things where he gets somebody to hit 142 balls in a row. Mm-hmm. But w- why you have a memory for it is that we have that story on audio tape and, yeah. and, you know, I've heard him tell the story and, and get pumped up about getting people to rally, get wrapped up in somebody else's game. Right. Um, and if, if, if kids can only rally, two balls and they get, now they go to three, they're 50% better. If they rally three, they get one better, they're 33% better. Yeah. Um, but enthusiasm's contagious. Yeah. Energy breeds energy. Right. And, and so is a lack of it. And that's where I thought, um, you know, certainly a lot of value information on the nutritional tape we put up, but I, my idea in putting that up was just for Peter, the young people today to just listen to one of his presentations based on his energy level. Yeah. No, exactly. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can check us out online at Great Base Tennis. Find us on social media at Great Base Tennis. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you listening have already checked it out. But if you haven't, if you're new to this podcast, thanks for listening. But there's only like four or five podcasts in the whole world, right? I mean, are we, yeah. aren't, we, aren't we like the fifth? Five or six. Aren't we number five? There's just something like that. It's a real original idea to have now. a podcast, right? Yeah. It's like everybody and their brother has a podcast. A little bit. There's just so much information out there. And um, great. Um, but we, we we aspire to go from being a snowflake to a snowball. Don't think we're ever going to be an avalanche. One day that we will be the standing snowman. Yeah, we'll be the standing snowman. It'll be great. To never melt. <laughs> All right, everyone. All right, Fitzell. Thanks, Dr. Smith. Dr. Smith, it's been a pleasure. Until, yeah. until next week. We'll have to do it again sometime. Number 33, Patrick Waugh, great hockey player. Peter Burwash, great hockey player. We're over and out. I'll feed the same. Tschüss.